This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Talking Halos. It's Derek C. Paul, my co-host, John Crane, for another episode of the show. John, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing as well as you can expect. I'm doing actually good, actually. I'm I'm working earlier this week, so it's it's kind of nice. I'm not just walking in the house today. Well, that's lovely. You don't you yeah, it is. a moment to relax. I actually talked to my food. wife. Oh. I sat on the sofa and talked to my wife and yeah, and my my kid, and I said hi to my dog, and yeah, I'm all relaxed now. You sound relaxed. You sound well. You sound happy. I don't sound like you a guy who's been in traffic for over an hour. You don't know, no, because I was. <laughs> so either you have taken a nice little relaxing pill that makes you happy, which would probably be illegal, or you've had a little bit of time to come home, hug the kids, hug the family, have a dinner, and like you said, talk to your dog. So hey. There you no go. Way. No way. All right, folks. We're just getting started here, but if you like what we're doing, please check us out on Apple Music and subscribe. We'd really appreciate a review, especially a five-star review. Five-star reviews are the, are the king here, okay? I think we may, going to see about this, we may do a contest soon to try and help encourage you all to leave a review. If you want us to earn that review, great. Hey, email us at talkinghalos.gmail.com. Give us your feedback. If you're a new listener and enjoying the show, we'd appreciate a favor. Text a fellow Angels fan, let them know about the podcast, or send an email, or just make a phone call, or hey, just whatever you'll do. We just appreciate any help getting the word out. It's growing. The podcast is actually growing a lot, and we're starting to, you know, get the word out about what we do. Matter of fact, Taylor Blake Ward just buzzed us today and asked one of us to go out there and co-host his show in August on two different days. And so I could go ahead and co-host Locked on Angels on August 9th and August 16th. So, you know, we're growing. I appreciate all the, the listenership. I know John does. We're very proud of the Angels fan base and how it's reacted in the last couple of weeks. And we're proud to cover the team. So thank you. Just thank you, period. We don't have competitors. We have family members, just yeah. on different different podcasts, and and it's it, that's a very that's a great honor. That is really a great honor, and I'm and I think yeah. Well, it was really neat too. I mean, we were talking about this before the show. Is with Locked On Angels, it's a 15, 20 minute podcast, and then we ours run longer. We we don't podcast as much, so we have more information when we do put it out. But realistically, when you go to work every day, you could listen to two or three podcasts easily in California traffic, especially. Two or three different Angels podcasts or different sports podcasts, and so I don't view his competition. Uh, we like Taylor Blake's war, and his we like his work. He does a good job. Uh, so, I have referenced him before. I've I've yeah. used information I've yeah. gotten from him and spoke it on this show. So uh, yeah, he's he he knows his he knows his stuff. He knows his prospects, and uh, well, I said he's he's a yeah. He's a great podcast. That's what he is. Great he podcast. does a good job. Does a very good job. So there you go. We have some stuff to talk about, though. The Angels are about to kick off their brand new season, the second season, that is, which is the second half. They have 71 games to go. They're 45 and 46. They have a lot of questions to answer if they're going to make the playoffs. And even if they 
aren't going to be the playoffs. They have a decision to make very soon as to which way they want to go because there are a couple guys on the roster right now who could fetch the team a little bit of, shall I say, real estate or what's another word? Capital in terms of player, yeah. player capital. So we want to talk about that. And I guess what that really goes into is expectations. We've been talking about expectations personally, you and I, for the last week or so. Like we don't really expect this team now no. to – Oh. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say low expectations. You're saying low or no? I'm saying low, and I don't mean it in an insulting way. I'm just not. I'm not expecting the playoffs. I'm just not expecting the playoffs at this point. So much thrown at us. I mean, uh, with injuries and of obvious and um, Skaggs and and Lacroix, and we were already struggling. Our pitching staff was already struggling before all this started. Um, so I mean. I, I, I think we're going to have a good season, but um, I I just look at this as planning for next season. This season, I look as planning for next season. If we make the post the postseason, I promise you, I'll be there. I'll I'll see a game. But at this point, I just want them to stay healthy the rest of the season to 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 grow more. And if there is any sort of activity i would like that activity trade activity or acquisition activity i would like that to better us in the future not to make a push this season when we have teams like the astros in in our own division that we'd have to get past to get to the world series to play teams like the yankees and the red sox i really think the only way the angels right now can justify making a, a mega move really that will cost them some this, these prospects they've been raising up in the system is a you're going to get starting pitching, but b you you need to get hot, and not and by hot I don't mean a four game win streak, I mean you're talking in the next fifteen games you're like thirteen and two to the point where you are now showing yourself to be a serious contender in the American League. If they're even six seven games over five hundred, I don't know that it's worth it when there are so many holes on the roster. And I don't mean that in this negative way. Like you and I both said, I don't think either of us really expected a playoff run this year, but we wanted to see them building towards it. Well, I don't see how you're building towards it when you're going for it this year instead of the next two years when you're going to have a deeper, more matured farm system to support you and there are other fridges that are going to be available for you to go after this offseason and the next. Fabian Ardai is on the show today. He talks a little bit about a couple of the different free agent opportunities that will be there. And, you know, with all that in mind, I just don't think it's wise for this team to mortgage the future for what is going to, to me, is an okay present. Like, they they might get 85, 86 wins if they get really hot. They might. The pitching staff just has too many gaps. Well, you know, I, I referenced the Billy Epler interview that we that we discussed several weeks ago. Not even if your GM is saying you're rebuilding on the fly, why would he go out and if he's rebuilding on the fly, why would he go out and make a trade, especially of prospects? And you know what? I I am again. I'm learning. I, you have a lot more statistical knowledge. You even have more prospect knowledge than I do, and I'm learning more. Every day, but I was go back last year before I started this podcast. I was just like them. I didn't even know who was in our farm system. So when they traded away, let's say they traded away Joe Adele, I'd be like, "Who's Joe Adele? If you're going to get me Madison Bumgardner, I'll t- oh that's fine." Yeah, I was just like most of these fans, and I, you know, I still have a little bit of that in my heart. But I have seen, oh, John, a little bit. Yeah, I still do. I mean, yeah, would it be neat to get Madison Bumgarner? Sure, if if they let us trade away, if they let us, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put names. How about you know a couple of cases of game or what uh, would Bill, what did Billy uh, um, Billy Bean and uh, you know give me to fill up my soda machine and we'll and we'll trade. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But um, I, I think this team has a future. I think it has a future. We just don't see that, and the average fan doesn't see that. And I still don't totally see it, but I do know that we have we have prospects. I think you really need to look at how we're starting to see some of these prospects developing down in single A Inland Empire. They haven't been very good this year, but we're starting to see some some movement in terms of performances. And what we're seeing are these prospects are developing. 
The Angels are very strong positionally. They went out and enriched their farm system with pitching. They needed to. So I think you have to give it time. And this is why people are saying, hey, this is why a lot of the writers, pretty much every writer who covers a team has said the same thing to us, which is right now they're building. Expect them to compete for the playoff berth in 2020. I'm paraphrasing this. And they're looking to go much, much deeper in 2021. Well, that would require two more years of development in the farm system, two more years of the guys you have coming up right now. And so that would put Mike Trout at age 29, turning 30. He's still in his prime as long as nothing major happens. So you're looking at this team coming right into its own at the right time. But there is some sacrifice to make because the baseball is going to be a little uneven this year. And the pitching staff has a lot of reworking to do. But let's be honest, Angels don't have a choice. They really don't. Well, uh, re, you know, we, we talked about earlier referencing on there was a post on Halo Nation, you know, talking about getting Madison Bumgarner. And I, I had a, a spirit animal there on, on there who, <laughs> who had a great – who. And I think he's even a spirit animal of yours. And 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 it, but he made it a point that I'd never really put two and two together on. In that you know, sure we can well, trade. Pause, Let's, pause, pause, pause. Get shout out his name. Who is it? Eric Perez. All right. And I even commented, "Well said, Eric Perez," because he. I, I mean, I, I could paraphrase it, but he he basically said, you know, well, he said some people don't realize the Angels aren't exactly competing for a playoff spot this year. It takes good elite prospects, and he mentions Adele, Rengifo, Canning, Suarez, uh, uh, to get major league talent. He said the Angels should be dealing guys like Calhoun and LaCroix away at the deadline and getting more young players, not getting Madison Bumgardners, uh, not getting veterans, getting young players instead of getting a half-season rental, and then we still miss the playoffs. I mean, this guy is talking what we have been saying since this podcast started. Well, well, you were saying it to be, since it started. I jumped aboard maybe about three, three episodes in. I started coming your way. Well, in the case of Calhoun and Lucroy, you're not going to get any high-level prospects for them. You're going to get mid-level prospects, mid-floor plot prospects, and which means also, in many cases, mid-ceiling. So you're going to get guys who have a shot to become major leaguers, guys who may not. But the one thing they'll do is add depth to your system as well. So it's, I think some people miss out on what the actual minor leagues are for. We tend to think that the minor league system is just about developing the stars and the future starters. No, the minor league system is about developing A, trade bait to get the guys you need now, and B, developing organizational depth across the medium so that you can survive or even thrive when a major injury hits. This is how having Cesar Puelo earlier this year was helpful. And now Jarrett Parker's called up. So you want these guys who can fill your system and be there. They have their veterans, they have experience, guys who've grown up in the game. And that's the kind of guys you're going to get for Cole Calhoun and the Croy at this point. You're not going to get high-level guys, but you're going to get guys who have the potential to make your major league roster down the line or provide you the organizational depth that you need. Well, yeah, and then there comes a point, you know, in some teams, I think you look like at Astros or something, you know, where you get to the point where you are so stacked and solid that then you can't afford to trade away prospects because you're not going to have a spot at first base or second base or third base for X amount of time or a pitching staff. Well, when that's our weakness, because we actually don't have a lot of positional holes. Um, I think they're pretty much almost filled. I mean, you know, can't, uh, uh, by our by our what, who we have now and in the, and in in our in our system, uh, pitching is what we're lacking. But you do. But there's also other side too. Like for the Astros, yes, they have a depth in their organization, which has actually been drained a little bit because of the trades they've made in the last couple of years. They still have it there, but they have the depth in the organization to even if let's just say Altuve decides he wants to go. I don't know his contracts. I'm just using an example. Altuve is asking too much, and he wants to leave. Well, they have guys coming up who can replace Altuve. It would hurt because he's a star. But the other guy can come up and do a good job in his place. He goes and signs with the Yankees. And what do what does Houston get back? Prospects. It gets compensation. 
Yes, or prospects. they don't even necessarily have to trade them. Because it's kind of bad juju. If you're a contender and you're trading away stars, that'll never go down well. But you can, if you can decide, listen, we probably can't resign this guy. So we'll use him as long as we can and then let him go. And then when someone gets him, we'll get we'll get prospects through compensation. That's the whole thought process here. If the Angels go out there and they draft, you know, then the trap, they trade for Bumgarner, then they don't get compensation if he leaves. And he probably is going to leave at this point because he's not in, he's not the kind of style pitcher right now the Angels want. He's not really a great fit for the Angels, let's be honest. I know some people don't want to hear that, but he's not a great fit. You know who's a great fit? Garrett Cole. The odds of getting him depends on who you talk to. Apparently, he's very happy in Houston. There's other fits out there this offseason that work probably better than Bumgarner does. Yeah, and you just have to be patient. You have to be patient, and you don't know if you'll get him, but that's why the Angels went out there and drafted a, geez, an enormous amount of pitchers because you're basically with pitchers, and Fabian talks about this a little bit later on the show. When you draft these pitchers, you're basically throwing crap at a wall and hoping it sticks. And what I mean by that is, of all those pitchers you take, you never know what's going to happen with them. You might have a, a, a 10th, 15th, 20th round guy develop into that star, and the first rounder flails out. That's how it works. These guys develop a different rate. Suarez is a good example. He was not really on the radar, and he's really come on the last year, and there he is on the staff. So you have, again, that's something that Fabian talks about on on uh, when he comes on, he gives a bigger explanation than I do. But these guys are the farm system really matters long term. If you want to be successful in this league long term, that farm system has to be continually replenishing itself and growing. It cannot go dry. Once it goes dry, sooner or later, you are in trouble. And that's what happened with the Angels when they went for it all and they didn't have enough prospects left in the system to replenish and maintain what they were. There's so many elements to pitching too. It's hard. I think it's hard. It's harder to 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 tag a guy. I mean, you know, an, a a try, an offensive player, a field player. You know, you know that they have the ability to hit the ball. But I think there's so many elements, including injury and 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 stamina and just ability to perform under under the pressure of being in the big leagues. Um, so I, I think it's hard to that's I so that's when you get a good one it's not it, it you know that's you you end up like Houston um, they, actually, they actually have more than a few good ones but they do and so just so kind of to put a bow on all this what I'm really hoping for John is you sell and I know that's not what people want to hear this team's been through a lot these guys probably don't want to be separated but it's still a business and you have to think long term and especially long term when you consider the issues with death that are there right now. You have starters coming up, and then there's a big gap in the farm system for pitching. It just is what it is. And you have to get more people in there, more arms, more depth, and you need to keep replenishing that for the future. If you want to have a future that where every year the Angels are competing for something, which is something the Dodgers have done, the Dodgers farm system, I mean, we don't want to talk about the Dodgers in the show, but the Dodgers farm system is deep. It allows them to do so many different things. The Yankee system. We want to know why the Yankees didn't collapse when when Jeter got old and A-Rod got old. It's because people like Billy Epler were in the organization and saw, listen, we have to reload and we got to rebuild and we can't go bad either. We can't be awful. So we're going to mm-hmm. keep just working this farm system. And that's what they did. And you know what? They remained competitive. They didn't go to the playoffs every year. They had a couple down years. But a down year for the Yankees is 85-86 wins at this point. It's not 60 wins. We can have that as Angels fans if we allow this organization to build a complete and total structure where you're just feeding the beast all the time. Well, and, and, and I mean, on the, I know it's, it's not, not exactly a big factor, but when you're referring to actually trading away some of these prospects, generally when you're trading away a prospect at this point in the season, you're trading them away to a contender. Um, I remember it was, was it this? No, 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 yeah, it was, you, John, I think you misspoke. You're not trading a prospect to a contender. No, you're trading a veteran. I'm sorry, four yeah. prospects. So you're trading a veteran to to a contending team who's giving you prospects back, which means they're good prospects. And as a consolation prize, where like I because I, we saw, I think it was this spring. It was at last. I think it was this spring. I know it was this spring. Uh, Cameron Maben was there, 
And I, he was out in the outfield, and we were out there. And, and I don't know if you know, I, I, I like to yell at people. I mean, friendly. I don't mean yell at them. But And I was telling him, hey, show me your ring, Cameron, because he got traded d- during the Houston Astros uh, World Series at the Angels at the, at the deadline and, uh, and, and ended up winning a World Series ring. So, I mean, I think it's a win-win. I know this is a different season because of all that's gone on, and I think it would be tough for anybody to be traded away at this point. But I think it, it would be good. It would be great for the team and potentially great for the team and uh, not so bad for the player that they trade. Now, as for the here and now, the Angels do play the Mariners this, this weekend. The Angels have, well, let's just say they haven't done as well against the Mariners as they should. The Mariners mm-hmm. have are are really flawed, but the, the Mariners' strength is power hitting, and the Angels' weakness on the pitching staff is go on say it. Our our Angels' pitching staff is inconsistent. Their direct weakness, their their kryptonite right now, starting pitching. Oh my gosh, John! Come on, John! What do you? Oh, giving the up the home pit- run ball! Thank giving you. up the home run ball! And you know, so. Yeah. You got to be more specific with well, me, but I, I, okay. I, was, I thought you were with me on this. <laughs> okay. So the home run ball, the home run ball, and that's going to be a major problem for them. The Angels should win this series two out of three. They should sweep them, quite frankly. This is not a very good Seattle team. They've come together a bit recently, but at home, coming, getting a chance to finally be in front of the home crowd, getting a chance to be home, be actually at home with their families after what they've been through. They should come in here and really just spank the Seattle Mariners. But the reality is this is a team that is dealing with a lot, and the pitching is just not a good matchup for these Seattle hitters that like to bang. That's all they really do is bang. So we'll see. We'll find out this weekend. Fingers so you're crossed. predicting two of three? I think two out of three, but, you know, Given their mental state and given all they've been through, who knows? Who knows? I say, I say, sweep. Yeah. Well, I hope you're right, and I hope it definitely. Jeez, I hope it's not one out of three. See, I, I knew you'd have to answer my my prediction that way. You knew you, you knew you'd have to say, "I hope you're right." That's why I was hoping. Well, I hope but right. I do. I hope I'm right too. But I think we will. I think there's going to be a lot of emotion here, especially as it's got a lot of fan support too. It, it depends on how you focus that emotion. And so far, I like how they focused it. But two, you know, folks, if you can go to the games this weekend, go. Then Houston comes in right after them. Go, folks, if you're out in California and you can go to these games, go. I would, I, I would really love to be there and support that, support these guys. And, and you know, they need that. These, these are people, or they're people. They're not just players. And when you talk about being, a, when you talk about being a fan of something. Sometimes it's more than just being a fan. Like sometimes it it means actually doing the things that normally we wouldn't do. Like what you did the other night, you actually went out and met them at the at the ballpark. These guys could really use some support. And so if you can go, and you can sell the ballpark out, and you can do it. Go for it. It would be a really awesome thing to do. A lot of fans are going to meet under the hat uh, before the game, and I will be one of those fans. So if anybody sees my picture on Twitter. Uh, I'll be wearing an angel jersey. I maybe Otani, uh, maybe the one I'm wearing in my Twitter picture. Um, and uh, definitely say hi to me. Um, I will be uh, a lot of the, a lot of people are expecting me. There's a few people giving comments to me that they're going to meet me there. Uh, <laughs> You're talking like a celebrity, man. Well, I'm t- are you a celebrity you now? There's going to be no, I don't know. I mean, uh, um, the hot dog girls might is, is, is already, already promised. Uh, Catherine has already promised to meet me. I think, I don't know if Nick's going to be there. Uh, both of our podcasts, they were talking about our podcast. And, so, uh, and I did tell, I did tell Catherine that she's that, you know, she could come, maybe we could get her on our podcast at, uh, at some point here. Um, because she, as soon as I mentioned, she she said, you know, yeah, I heard the one Nick was on, so she knew she knew that we had Nick on. So, yeah, we, um, we but yeah, us. I will be there. So if you see me, say hi. We even have cards. Uh, they're pretty awesome looking cards. I would bl- gladly share one with you or two or three, whatever you want. And uh, but most importantly, we're there to support the team uh, coming back from a horrific road trip, and uh, that's why we're that's why I'll be there Friday. 
for sure. Already got the tickets secured, and I believe it will be a sellout because I have heard people say that they can't get tickets anymore, at least on Facebook. But you we go, got our tickets. You go on Saturday? Ah, uh, what do I do? And what am I doing on Saturday? I, I, I very well could. You know me. I just, I mean, I literally have just pulled over. And now that I work in Orange County again, I used to. I, I I was driving home from Whittier when I worked in Whittier. I've worked I worked for the AAA. I've have for many years. Uh, I was working in Whittier and I listened to Roger Lodge's show on my way home, and he literally said it was Mike Trout bobblehead night, and I took a. I had to make a U-turn and start heading there, and then <laughs> I pulled over and I called. Yeah, I pulled over. I pulled over and I had to call my wife. This is years ago. I and I called my wife and I said, "Honey, uh, are we got anything going on tonight?" And she said, "No." I go, "Okay, well, I'm going to the game." So I went in my AAA uh, uh, uniform and uh, and so I mean, you never know when I'll go. Would I like to go Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, I probably would. Well, uh, will I probably go to one more game? Yeah. I probably will try to pull that off but you know what i don't have right now is my wife sitting next to me with the schedule telling me that i have some commitment that i've made but john here's the perfect time for you with the podcast off the air for much next week with me in new york this is a chance for you to just you know not have to worry about being home at a certain time. There's a certain Shohei Otani bobblehead night. I think it's two. Oh yeah, that's that's that, no, that's not. That's next week though. That's next week. You know, get the family. Maybe give me a bobblehead. Oh you know, no, just, we're going. <laughs> we're going to. Bo- I'm going. I'll be at the bobblehead game. No, that's. I think I already have those tickets too. Um, and, and this Friday is umbrella. They're going to give away an umbrella. I think. I don't know if it's an umbrella hat or just an umbrella. I'll find out when I get there. But my wife and I will definitely be there on Friday night. So, and I'll be meeting the fans, all that I see organized on the on the pages, Halo Nation. Uh, they're all meeting there. So I'm going to get to meet a lot of people. John, I have questions here. Yes, It's a ahead. very serious question. Okay. Ready? Uh-huh. Are you becoming the Angels version of Clipper Daryl? <laughs> I could only dream of such a thing (laughs) (laughs) but you know a lot of people also have a problem clipper daryl you know that right i hey okay have you not seen my have you seen my i have a picture with i have a picture of me with clipper daryl and i have a picture with my daughters with clipper daryl Oh goodness gracious! Uh, I'm going to send those to you. I'm going to I'm going to post them on Twitter, right? I'm going to post them on our uh, you, on our pa- on our page clippers, tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? I, it's Lob City, man. I was my dog's name is Griffin. Now after Griffin Canning, but up until this year, I thought it was Blake. Gryffindor. No, but Griffin <laughs> named after Blake Griffin. My my favorite uh, Clipper, who I've ne- will probably never get to take a picture with. Well. You know, I like my pictures. Yeah. All right. So, folks, hey, we're looking for sponsors. If you could reach out to us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. If you like what we're doing, you want to help us keep the lights on here or at least keep John from doing weird things. You can also leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We'd really appreciate it. And also, like I noted a couple seconds ago, programming note, we are putting together a podcast for Sunday night, but I'm... Likely gonna be gone for a week, so the show's probably off the air for a week while I'm in New York for a teaching seminar, getting to learn about that American capitalism and all. So, just so you know, we podcast it from Friday, not sorry, from Sunday on will be a little iffy. So just check your check your dial. Also, we have a quick here for Fabian, a little bit of a Q and A. We asked earlier what fans wanted to hear. This is from Sam, which is the guy we had in the show. His name is Jure, the veteran, at DMastermind7. Good guy. When do you think would be a good time to offer Otani another contract? I know we have him on a killer deal right now, but the way he's performing, it almost feels like stealing, LOL. Well, John? I'm still upset that he wasn't in the home run derby. I think the MLB had a major missed opportunity with Japanese fans. That's not the question. Come on. Focus, what, well, I, think, I, think, I think if he'll sign – as soon as he'll sign a contract, you sign him. And, and, and I think you look at that contract as him being a DH. That's what you're expecting from him is to be a DH. If he turns out to be a hit uh, – uh, uh, the pitcher that we know he is and is able to stay healthy and do it, 
Um, but you also, I think you need to talk to him about that because he was adamant about doing both, I think. And that's one of the reasons he chose us. So I don't know how happy he'll be if he just remains a DH. But I would sign him as, as soon as he was willing to discuss the contract. I would sign him. My guess is what's going to happen is they're going to – he's got – this is his second year. I think they'll let this thing wait out to about year four when they know where he is with his arm and he's still producing the bat. At that point, they're going to go ahead and get an extension. They're going to wait until then. And I don't think – I think it would be foolish to wait until year six because eventually he should be getting paid, and he knows he should be getting paid. So you want to, you want to keep this player wanting, wanting to stay with you long term. you got to treat him the right way, the right way that to me – right now is to wait until you see where this arm is wait until you see his full production because he's still developing by the way as a hitter and mm-hmm. then you can offer him a contract that's fitting of that if you do it too soon you might get screwed here and if you wait too long you might up, you will upset him. it's not a might you will upset him he wants any player wants a commitment when they're not he's getting paid the league minimum so i think the happy me and to me is right around year four you want to go for that um, the next question here comes from Austin Space at Schaefer27. How long do you think it will take to invest in the pitching and have an ALCS and even World Series contending team? John, what do you think? Well, Billy Epler was, I, well, with all the pitching prospects, I would to have a World Series team with Trout, I would say potential, I'm going to say three years. Three years? With some pickups. You think sooner? I, they, they're going to have to pick up. They're going to have to get a, a proven, a proven ace. So okay. they're, they yeah. can't develop. They're going to, they can't, they're going to have to get somebody. It's just not this year, but they're going to have to get somebody. Add that with canning. Uh, if we can get Otani pitching um, two to three years contending for something. So I think what's going to happen here is you're going to see the angels making some moves this off season. If they can get themselves an ace, They'll probably my, my guess is are probably gonna go shoot for an ace and then maybe a number three or four because mm-hmm. I think you'll I think it's safe to say Canning is probably at minimum a three probably a two with the potential to be a one by the way and if Otani's back he's a solid two possibly a one one day so you have to look at that and go well you're gonna spend some money you're gonna go hard for an ace there are a couple out there that fit what they like. And if I'm them, I overpay. You need this, so overpay. Because right now, you don't have that guy in the farm system who can be that one. You have a couple guys with the potential to be ones, but they're a little bit lower in the system right now. So then you look at, when does this happen? This offseason. I put you at 2020. You probably don't have all the depth. Sorry, 20, yeah, 2020. You probably don't have the depth right now to be a serious World Series contender. But you're getting there, and I think you're really, that's where you are. You're... You're very close to being a serious contender for at least a wild card, if not a little more, next year. Then you have another offseason, possibly to clear some salary, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Another year where you've been developing talent, that includes Joe Adele, should be up by this point. So I think it. I think what the writers are saying, I think what we're hearing kind of down the, the line, is where the Angels are at in terms of 2020 and 2021 is safe. You can you'll compete seriously for a playoff berth next year, and then for much more the year after that. Here's the sad thing, and this is where we don't want to mention this. It, it's because the starting pitching is already a struggle, but losing Tyler I think really hurts that because I think he was in the long term plans for the Angels, and now they have to find to fill that void. So again, or I. I I don't want it to sound like all we care about is the baseball side of it. Our heart goes out to his wife and the family and to the players who've lost their friend. I'm just for a moment talking about the baseball side of it, and that's kind of the X factor because I believe he was part of the plans, and now you have to replace that plan. It may just simply be you go out there, instead of getting one or two pitchers in the offseason, you're going to go for two or three. Yeah, I um, I forgot what I was going to say. but uh... That's because you're getting old, John. Yeah, I know. I, I had I had a really good point to make, and it just kind of dropped out of my head. Maybe we can edit it out if I manage to come up with this point. No, we should but, leave it in, man. It's kind of funny. Yeah. You just dropped out of your head. <laughs> what are you talking about? But uh, I, I just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly happy. Like I said, we're going to get somebody. We are going to get somebody on uh, on the off season. I know that. I know we are. And uh, we just have to be patient. The fans just have to be patient. 
I think, well, it's not a guarantee they're going to get somebody because they went hard for three guys last year and they didn't get them. But I think they are more likely, since they have a serious need, to overpay for the guy they want. And that may be enough to draw somebody here like a Garrett Cole, who I who remember our last interview with the, with uh, Patrick McClellan said he thinks he's going to stay. He's a pretty good shot he'll stay in Houston. But you never know for real. There's a couple other options out there as well. So it's not a guarantee, and they may be in trouble if they don't find that starter. But that, that's also why the Angels drafted 20, was it 20 or 29 pitchers in this draft because they have to develop no matter what. And they may, have, they may be forced at some point to trade for a guy. That's why you keep loading and loading and loading and loading this farm system. I remembered what I was going to say now. What I was going to say is you're referring to Otani about insulting him or, you know, not wait too long. I, I challenge anybody, please send us, a, send us a tweet or send a message, email us. When did the Angels not treat somebody well? We overpay people. We don't underpay people. We don't insult people with contracts. I might be missing something. I would love to be refreshed on that. But, you know, we, we, we pay. We, we show respect. Too much respect. I don't think anybody's cases. saying that, John. I mean, that was just a question. You, you mentioned of, it is why. You were saying you don't well, want to wait too long with Otani because you don't want to, like, like you have him insult. You, you didn't say insult. You said something to that effect. But Well, it could be insulting, but you're right. The Angels have never done that. That's why I don't think they'll do it. That's why I'm thinking it's probably on year four. The Angels have never done that. They've never, tried to, they've never played hardball with someone to the point where they insult them. They've mm-hmm. actually, to me, in, in the years of following the team, they've been very good about telling a player, listen, we just can't pay you that. We're going to let you go. Or trading somebody away when, when the time comes and letting them know the reasons why. This team has been a, a pretty well-run team in terms of how they treat people overall. And so I don't, I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying that just because there are some teams that will that will try and pull that stuff. There are some organizations that will try and say that. So I'm using that context to say this is what can happen if you do treat somebody this way and or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's what you know, that's why these people saying that we don't try, that that you know, the Angels gotta try, Artie's gotta do. They they don't disrespect people, fine. They don't. They just they, they just make they make they, they miss. Maybe they miss, but we all miss. You know, well, we all miss sometimes. They try, but that's yes. what got in this whole whole begin with. They tried a bit too hard. They cleaned out their farm system, and you know, that was pretty much it. You went for it; it didn't happen. But if you do it the right way, this is going to some people are going to be mad about this. But that late two thousands Angels team going into 2010, 11, 12, they a if you look at the pitchers that were in that 2009 draft alone, they, they let some gems go, okay? The Mike, the Mike Trout draft, you know, you had, but Patrick Corbin was drafted in that draft. Mm-hmm. So you, you had the opportunity there. You, you basically gave up a little too soon because you're, you needed the capital then and there. In the well, end, the Angels paid the price for going for a big. They thought short-term, and they sacrificed the long-term. But in my opinion... If you do things the right way and you're committed to it, you don't have to ever make that long-term sacrifice because you have so many different ways you can find talent now in Major League Baseball, whether it be through the international scene or through the draft. There are ways, or through the Japanese posting system, for example. I mean, it's just, there are so many ways. You're just reloading. You're just reloading. And you've you got plenty, plenty you of ammunition. You can reload now. You can reload yes. now, but you have to be patient. You have to be smart. And that's what the Dodgers. Why do you think the Dodgers have done what they've done? They, they've shipped players out. They had a major trade where they shake, you know, ship out Puig and all these guys. And they're just as good. they got Bellinger. How the heck do, you, do the Dodgers have a guy like Bellinger up there when they have been good for the last six, seven years? They shouldn't be draft. They're not drafting that high. They have a great scouting department. They're finding the right people. They are constantly moving, and the Angels have to do the same thing. It's what the Yankees have done. It's what the Astros did. The Astros went a bit deeper. They purposely were awful to do a complete reload, but mm-hmm. you can do it. It just takes some time, and some people aren't being patient enough with that because they're used to winning. Well, this is the this is the long term view. That's all it is. 
Oh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to confess here. Well, the reason I got a little distracted earlier was a, a, a tweet popped up on my iPad. Uh, Trent Rush saying that 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 Mike Sosha was in the booth. I guess it was the other day. But anyways, I like Mike. My wife wonder, likes Mike. I wonder if he'll manage again. I, d- d- uh, Tim Mead, when I talked to him at... At Triple A, sitting there chewing his ear off, and he let, didn't say a word. He said he thinks he will. He said he will, but I, I don't I, know. I think he will. I yeah, think he, he said I think he, he said he will. All right. So Lorraine Rainier from on Twitter L Rainier one asked if Lacroix is out for the season, will we trade for their catcher? I think you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, all I have right now is Garneau. The question's Kevin Smith. When will Kevin Smith be back? If Kevin Smith's back, then you're okay. Yeah, but do you really trust it's you know Garneau alone? No, you need you would need a second guy. So it just depends on how soon Kevin Smith is back, and that could be soon. We just don't know for sure. Also on in the Halos Nation group, there is a question there, and that is um, let's see here. Do you know the team store will be selling patches for the hats and jersey to honor Swaggy? I honestly don't know. A couple of fans stepped up and said they had heard they weren't. So, folks, you're going to have to call a team store for that one, for answers like that. And I've seen a couple people ask that question. I just don't know. Well, if you go, if so. you go just coincidentally, if you go to the Halos Nation, uh, I mean, this is and this might be, have to be something local, but you go to the Halos Nation, one of the members, John Griffin on there, he posted that he has buttons and stickers. And there'll be $3 each, which one going to donate it to Chalks, and then he's going to give away stickers for free. Um, so... so. There, there. I think if you go to the stadium on Friday, I think you'll find some there. May not be in the team store. You may be wondering why we share a lot of love for the Halos Nation groups because they they've embraced us a lot. But there are other some other good groups as well. Just their absolutely. Angels, just their Angels Victory, Angels for Life. So if you're active on social media and you want to talk Angels baseball, you can go there. Also, there's for us our Twitter. You can follow us, and we're always going to talk baseball with you. Okay, so. Moving on, it's almost time for us to go, but we will not go without talking to Fabian Ardaya from The Athletic. Check it out. Here we go. Here's Fabian. All right, folks, I'm here with Fabian Ardaya from The Athletic Los Angeles. Fabian, how you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. How about you? It's the same. It's been a rough couple of weeks for us around here, and it's not, well, it's getting a little bit better day by day. But I guess that's the first place I want to go is, hey, you've had a couple. It's been rough. How how did you manage your way through it? I think the biggest thing I've been sort of telling myself is just also, it, it, this isn't about me. I mean, this is not, I, I feel honestly I'm a little bit uncomfortable just even thinking about like how this impacts me. Because really, I, Tyler was a guy I would see, obviously, every day at the ballpark. But other than that, I, I didn't see him on team planes. I wasn't around him. I wasn't his family. Uh, there's obviously a separate uh, journalist supporter separation from players and subjects. And, I mean, obviously, this is something that was unexpected to all of us. I wasn't in Texas when this initially happened, but when it happened, I sort of, I got, obviously, the news. I uh, quickly got on the phone uh, with my editors to try to figure out the best way to handle this sort of thing. And then within a couple of hours, I was on a flight to Dallas. So it was it. Ever since that point, it's sort of just been a little bit of a whirlwind. And I've honestly just tried to tell the story of what happened and the person that Tyler was to the best of my ability. And I think it's something you've done very well. But you've also had this unique opportunity because you've gotten to see how the Angels organization is handling all this. And at its core, what did you take from how the Angels organization handled the entire situation? What has surprised you or impressed you? And did anything disappoint you in terms of how the hardships were handled? Um, I, I think Brad also said it best during that first press conference on Tuesday after it all happened was just there, there's no playbook to something like this. I mean, this is an angel organization that unfortunately has had to deal with this sort of scenario before um, in the past with last December with Luis Albuena and Nick Aidenhart and numerous tragedies throughout the years. But even then, it, there's, there's no way to prepare for each individual one uh, this was so unexpected, uh, and that Tyler was such a big part of what this organization was wanting to do. I, I think they handled it to the best of their ability. I mean, they sort of made things, made sure that everything was authentic. Uh, they tried to really honor him the best way possible without making it 
team. Like they were overdoing it, underdoing it. I think Andrew Heaney's tribute on Saturday, that first pitch curveball was perfect. Uh, and that was a perfect way for Andrew's personality to describe Andrew and Tyler's relationship. And also just the way that Tyler would have wanted it, I believe. And just from listening to people talk about him. So I think everything's been handled incredibly well. And I think last night, obviously, with uh, Mike Trout and Tommy Lestella each wearing the number 45 of the All-Star game, I think that was another example of just the league and of Trout, Lestella, and the rest of Tyler's former teammates really just sort of stepping up and showing how much they appreciate having Tyler in their lives. So now we're entering the second half of the season. How do you evaluate the Angels organization as a whole? Now they're getting ready to kick off the second half of the season. And what I mean is, we didn't really expect the Angels to, to do too much over the trade deadline unless they're in contention. And now there are several injuries. We've had, you know, it's been, like we've said, a hard couple of weeks here. What changes now for the Angels? I think it's still just a matter of waiting to see what happens in these next couple of weeks. The July 31st deadline, having only there only be one deadline, sort of will probably push teams to action a little bit more. But it's a weird market because there's so many teams. There's a couple teams that have bottomed out already, the Orioles, the Royals, the Marlins, and the National League. But other than these teams that have really excelled, like, say, the Yankees, the Astros, there's a lot of teams in the middle. And the Angels are firmly in the middle with how they are. I mean, they're one game below 500 during the All-Star break. I think they're going to probably just wait to see what happens these next couple weeks before July 31st and see if they're going to buy, if they're going to sell. If they do sell, they really don't have a whole lot of pieces that they, that they would want to trade. Cole Calhoun is a guy who's on a potentially expiring deal this year if the Angels don't pick up his team option. He's a guy they can move. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with uh, Jonathan Lucroy, when he can get back. And if he does get back, then he's probably be someone they could look to trade just because he's on an expiring contract. But other than that, there's not really a whole lot the Angels can really trade. And if they are going to try to buy, it's a matter of leveraging how much they value getting a guy with years of team control like a Marcus Stroman versus trying to like salvage the prospects that they have currently in the farm system and try to see how they can continue to build this farm system that has already grown so much in the last couple of years. So I think it'll be a little bit tricky, and I think just that way the Angels play these next couple of weeks, a lot of divisional games uh, will sort of determine where they sort of stand in that. So in that context, I want to point here at the starting pitching. It's been a problem all year. It's obviously gotten a little bit tougher going down the stretch here. It's been pretty much thought of that getting – to the off season, the 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 Angels will probably be looking for some starter help. What does the issues with the starting staff, the fact that there aren't many starting pitchers in the minors right now outside of who they already have that are major league ready, what does that do to the Angels' plans long term? I think yeah, I think you said it. This off season, they're probably going to go very heavily and look after a starting pitcher. I mean, they did this this past off season. They went after J. A. Happ. They went after Patrick Corbin. They went after Nate Eovaldi. They didn't get any of those three guys. And they wound up getting one-year deals for Harvey and Cahill. But they have, they probably will look again this offseason. And you have some enticing people. You have Garrett Cole, who obviously has local ties. Uh, you have a guy like Zach Wheeler, possibly, who stuff-wise really fits exactly what this front office likes. So I think they'll be very aggressive in that matter. And I think pitching, I mean, it's hard to really focus too much on pitching prospects just because there's such a high volatility rate with those guys. I mean, sometimes they work out, they're great from the start. Sometimes they have injuries. Sometimes they just don't work out. I mean, the Angels are trying to implement this new pitching philosophy from the top down, something I had touched upon in my story today, just sort of Doug White trying to implement a lot of what he did with the Astros and that minor league system, doing that with the Angels. Um, and you have a couple of guys who are starting to, show some signs of turnaround this year. Jeremy Beasley's looked pretty good in double-A Mobile. Uh, Patrick Sandoval has already made the triple-A, even though there's been a little bit of adjustment there. Uh, and I think they'll continue to try to just stock up on pitchers if possible, but also realize that the strength of this farm system right now are the position player talent, and that's something that's typically a lot more sustainable in the long term. 
just because, like I mentioned, pitching prospects are so difficult to project going forward. And I think it's why we saw the Angels go like, draft like 28, 29 pitchers this last time around because some of them they're hoping will stick. Yes, exactly. Stuff like that, just putting them into their system, having one or two assets that they really treasure and trying to see if they can maximize that and turn that into a guy who could potentially be a contributor. I mean, as like two or three years ago, you don't you wouldn't have picked your Jaime Berea or Jose Suarez even maybe being big leaguers at all. Now they're both guys who are sort of seen as future rotation pieces. So you never really know how pitchers are going to develop over time. And I think the Angels have done a great job developing that young starting pitching that's here now, Canning, Suarez, and Berea. That wasn't something we had in the radar. So it's, it's been nice to see. It's just that now the markers between the major league level going to double-A and down, that's where there's that gap. And so it happens. I'm, I'm glad to see Sandoval doing well, and I'm glad to see Beasley doing well. So there's hope, right? Yeah, I mean, there's always room for people to take a leap where they weren't expected to take a leap. Uh, there's always room for that gap to close. Like I said, if they maybe make a trade at the deadline, maybe they can get a guy who's maybe a guy who's at double-A, triple-A right now, sort of like Sandoval was last year in the Maldonado trade. I know he started out in high-A, but got to double-A by the end of the season, and this year he's in triple-A. So you never really know how quickly a farm system like that can be restocked when it comes to pitchers. And there's those guys that maybe are late bloomers, guys that take a step up when you don't expect them to, guys that maybe like go to driveline in the offseason, all of a sudden they get another couple of miles an hour on their fastball, and that changes everything for them. So I think pitching, the way player development is with that regard right now, I think it's a lot easier to believe that you can sort of develop your own guys and not have to worry about necessarily stressing about necessarily a gap between double-A and the major leagues at any given time. We've also been getting questions on Joe Adele. When should we expect to see him on the Angels roster? 2020, September, how's it look for you? I'm not going to rule out September. Uh, I've heard nothing that would regard him being ruled out for September. Uh, He's obviously hit very well at double-A, and who knows, maybe at some point in the uh, by the end of the season, he'll be in AAA, if not in the major league. I'm not going to rule that out. Uh, I'm not going to rule out him being on the opening day roster next year, because who knows what, how the Angels really will go after the service time issue. I mean, they've only really had one test case with this, and it was Shohei Otani, and they put him on the opening day roster at the start of the season. So maybe they do something similar with Joe Adele, particularly if they don't pick up that option for Cole Calhoun, and then all of a sudden you have an opening in right field. Uh, I could see that, or I could also see him just at some point next year breaking through. I, I think it'll be somewhat soon, and by soon, I mean within the next year or so. I mean, Joe Adele will be up, and he has shown time and time again that he's one of the top prospects in baseball. I think MLB Pipeline has him number four right now. Yeah. I'm just thinking about uh, Calhoun's a big one for me, but I'm also looking at the Angels' history. Like you mentioned, Otani, but even when Trout came up, Trout wasn't in the minors very long. He that year he came up, they brought him up, I think it was, was it April? It wasn't long. Uh, that was, after, I was in 2012, they called him up in April after he'd already been up in 11. I, and the reason why the trout situation is a little bit different is just because it was a different collective bargaining agreement. There wasn't as much concern about service time and what that would mean to starting his clock. Uh, so I think really since the new CBA, Otani's been the real test case for that. And I know they probably want to do everything they can just to be able to re-sign him anyways. So maybe making him happy by having him on the opening day roster last year, which obviously wound up being the right decision, uh, was something that um, played into that decision. So we'll see about Joe Adele, see how service time, how Super 2, all these different factors in the CBA uh, will impact when he comes up. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up in September just because he's produced that well. So I'm... I'm going to be cautious when it comes to being saying, when it comes to saying, like, how quickly he can be up. But I I think he'll be up uh, sooner rather than later. All right. So what are your overall expectations for the Angels in the field the rest of the season? Can they survive this gauntlet of a schedule that begins in mid-August? Before the season, I had them at, like, 84 wins. I mean, in this year, I think they've sort of, given the injuries, I think they've been able to handle it very well be one game below 500 I think they're very capable of making a run but I think it's still it's tough to see just because 
they have such a home-friendly schedule this month that it gets a lot of the tough division opponents. The strength of schedule from here on out is the toughest of anyone in the division, and they're already in fourth place. And they have, while they have a good lineup, they have obvious holds when it comes to rotation, and the pitching hasn't quite been there. Uh, I think Fangrass has them at 80 and 82 to end the season. I, I could really see that, and I could see or at 500 or around that point for the rest of the season. I think they're capable of making a run, but I haven't seen enough from the starting rotation this last month as I would like uh, to really feel comfortable uh, projecting them to be that second wild card spot or anything like that. And that's what it really comes down to for them, doesn't it? It's, it's the starting rotation. It's been the same as it's been all year long. It's just that starting rotation can be the anchor or it can be what gets you over the top. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, it doesn't even have to be necessarily a major improvement. I think something that we see a lot in baseball is the improvement from below average to bad to average is makes such a big difference compared to saying above average to great. So I think that lineup is already good. The bullpen, when rested, is pretty good. But the rotation just hasn't been there. And if they can get themselves to average, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that could really... Uh, make a run at it. I think, I think average is within reach, but I think it's just hard to really project that with confidence, knowing that you might have, say, like three rookies uh, playing a key role, or rookies or second-year players, if you include Berea, playing a key role in that rotation, and then the other part of that rotation being Matt Harvey, who obviously was the worst, had the worst ERA of any pitcher with like 40 in these pitched so far this season. So I think he will be key if he can even get to, like, average. That would be a huge boop, uh, bump to this Angels rotation. All right, Fabio, I just want to say thank you for, for taking the time. It's been a rough couple weeks for you. And just to give us a little bit of your time on it's probably a bit of a break for you. Thanks so much. Can you let people know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your work? Because you're putting some good stuff out, man. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me on. I mean, best place to find me on Twitter is at Fabio Nardaya. Uh, and then at theathletic.com, you can subscribe, uh, subscribe to the Angels content and see all the different stuff that we have out there. I have a story today on Doug White and some of his background, some of the different ways that he's looking to improve some of that pitching so that will tie in pretty nicely with what we just talked about uh, and just a lot of other stuff that we have coming through the pipe, uh, through the pipeline these next couple weeks. So hope you guys can read it. All right. Again, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you hopefully in a month or two. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on anytime. Thank you. All right, so good talking with him. Uh, he did a great job in, in covering this team the last two weeks. He's got a couple of really nice articles. He has, has one up on Doug White, the pitching coach, today. Go check it out. The Athletic is actually I, – I like the Athletic a lot. They are affordable. They have pretty much – They've got a monopoly in a lot of ways of some really great journalists out there for sports. So check them out. It, they've done a great job. All right. It is time for us to get out of here. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Talking Halos. You can search for our page on Facebook, which is Talking Halos. You can find me on Twitter at DCIAPALA and John Crane at Jags Crane John. Don't forget some Spreaker, Apple Music, pretty much iHeartRadio. We're. We're, we're like a virus we've spread. So before we go, Johnny, final thoughts? No, just be there. Like I said, I'm going to be at the game on Friday for sure. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, seeing a lot of fans. And again, I'm not I, I'm not phrasing it in the way that I'm going to be there to, that, you know, because I'm a celebrity. I'm just saying I'm looking forward to being in, the, in, in, in Angel Stadium and welcoming the team. And I hope everybody is standing standing up applauding when the team takes the team but takes the field on uh, friday night change we could change the name here just to kind of have a clipper daryl you're gonna be angel john from now on uh, i'm gonna try to get some selfies so you, you know me i love my pictures i love my you pictures, love pictures. <laughs> you're a guy who loves your memories all right folks for john this is derek Paula saying take it easy we'll be back with you hopefully sunday night with some good stuff check it out then we'll see you sunday night good night You can't.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.